I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. It was never going to be easy, but you can't turn around. You got to push on through. It's high noon for Thursday, December 16th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find me on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator.substack.com and the merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. Today is the 330th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies. You have your story and you're sticking to it. But you didn't bother figuring out whether or not the story actually made any sense from the beginning. And it turns out that none of the story does. And for most people, that was obvious pretty much the entire time. But not for you, fair communist. You were certain that the state would not lead you astray, that the people like you, or at least those people you imagine in some way to be like you, would never lie to someone like you. Except the problem is, and hey, nothing personal, just an observation. But the problem is, if you are in the party of false decorum, one of your driving characteristics is the ability and the willingness to constantly lie about a certain set of subjects all the time. That's what keeps you in the party of false decorum. There's just a whole range of topics where you and everyone you know agrees to lie. Do masks work? No. But will you ever say that in public? Also, no. Was Breonna Taylor shot in her sleep after police arrived at the wrong house? Well, no. But will you ever say it in public? Of course not. You don't want to have to deal with those kinds of reactions. Someone who similarly doesn't know anything is bound to call you racist. And then they might try to destroy your reputation unless you immediately back off and surrender after they try to shame you into silence. Are there 57 genders? No. Will you say it? Again, also no. And why is the answer always no? Why will you not stand up and speak the truth in these occasions, knowing that probably half or maybe 75% of the other people around you in these situations, they all know the truth. They actually want to hear people say the truth. They don't want to keep having to lie about these things because having to lie about a whole bunch of things, that's really destructive to one's soul, you know? 
But you'll say with really no proof or justification that you believe you're just being respectful by holding your tongue. You wouldn't want to express the truth in the face of these blatant lies because some people might get upset. Well, what you're saying is that being lied to doesn't upset you. Being surrounded by people who agree to be lied to doesn't upset you. What upsets you is the reaction you might get from someone else being upset that you won't lie. Now, I'm not here to dictate people's morality, but I can wonder if maybe you got your priorities a little bit wrong. Because the thing is, there are some real important issues in life. And, you know, we're talking about public issues right now. But what about in your own personal life? Is it good, for instance, if everyone around you has just agreed to lie about whether or not your spouse is cheating on you? For instance, you wouldn't want to upset the relationship. It's not your business, right? Is that the good and moral thing? It's never good that everybody else agrees to lie. So the question then becomes, at what point do you refuse to go along with the party of false decorum and continue to lie because you believe it's more respectful to handle these things this way? And it's not like this is some sort of new phenomenon. People have always agreed to lie about a certain set of subjects. For this reason, for the desire to make sure that no one is ever made uncomfortable by the things you're saying. And that is not a great habit for humans to have taken on. But it is a lot worse when it is being modeled for you by your culture and enforced by your culture. And the list of subjects that you are required to always lie about keeps expanding. And if you're the kind of person who is sick of that, the solution is pretty simple. You just stop doing it. And once you stop doing it, then you just migrate back to America. And to do that, you just need to leave all of the stupid and evil communist ideas behind and then go and make amends with all the people that you have shamed and bullied and slandered and censored and tried to get fired from their jobs. And then you just simply migrate back where all of us will accept you with open arms because we want more Americans involved in the project of America the project of human liberty and self-governance. And with that, I would love to extend a warm Thursday high noon welcome to all of the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. Welcome to the show. And we're going to get to some really ridiculous lies that everyone has somehow accepted. But before that, I want to give an update on my cron status. And today I received the results of one of my PCR tests. They say positive. So yesterday, antigen test, negative. Today, PCR test, positive. So I guess I'm in the club now. But of course, the PCR test yields a lot of false positives. And of course, it can't really differentiate between the flu and COVID or the variants of COVID or probably the totally normal cold I might have. 
because according to two tests for COVID that I have now gotten the results from, I either do or do not have it. I certainly have some sort of normal cold, not a severe cold by any means. I mean, I have had a lot of colds in my life. I used to work in the restaurant business and there's always a lot of random people's germs or whatever floating around in those places. And I used to work in Hollywood nightlife around hundreds of people every night. Drinks get swapped up. People's germs are exchanged. And so there were a lot of years there where I would get a cold uh, three, four times a year, sometimes maybe more, sometimes fewer. I haven't been sick at all since the COVID business began. And like I said yesterday, if this weren't branded as such a massive issue, which is not to say it's not a massive issue to some people, that's fine. It still doesn't indicate at all that the issue was ever something that needed to be handled in any of these ways. It never needed to become the issue it is now. But if it hadn't been branded as such, I would just be thinking normally this week, oh man, I guess I got a cold. This kind of sucks. I mean, my throat feels a little bit sore. I'm definitely fatigued. And I was hot and cold many times for the past few days. That's not fun. But overall, I would have just taken a bunch of vitamins and some cold medicine and I would have waited it out. Now I have a test showing that I definitely have some sort of cold virus material in my body or something. And I took these tests probably within 20 minutes or a half an hour of one another. So do the tests work or no? And I guess the answer is, huh? But just a status update, I feel better today than I felt yesterday, than I felt on Tuesday, or that I felt on Monday. So am I in danger? Doubt it. Am I a danger to other people? Gotta think I'm not. And two years ago, I wouldn't have thought twice about this. I would have probably taken it easy for a couple of days and then gone right back to normal life. But let's check in with someone who has no interest in anyone ever returning to normal life. And that, of course, is Nazi Dr. Anthony Fauci. Well, there's no doubt there's going to be a lot of infections, particularly for the reasons that you said that we're moving about in society a lot more freely. We have the colder weather keeping people indoors. We have the holiday season associated with traveling coming up. I mean, those are real challenges when it comes to a highly transmissible virus. Somewhat of encouraging news is that if you look at all the data that we've gotten thus far from South Africa and from the UK, which clearly have more experience at this point than we do with Omicron, that the vaccines, although the efficacy to prevent infection has dramatically gone down, when you give that boost, that third shot of a two-dose mRNA, it reconstitutes it pretty well, particularly for severe disease that might lead to hospitalization. So I don't think that you are going to see, for sure, a lot more infections. I, I think that the vaccines, as good as they are, 
are going to still allow there to be breakthrough infections. What we hope will happen, and it looks like that's going to be the case based on what we're seeing in South Africa, that particularly if you get boosted, your protection from severe disease is still going to be considerably high. So big challenge on infection, but protection with the booster, I think, is going to be good. So the vaccine is not going to stop your infection with the very scary Omicron variant. But if you get a third dose of the two dose experimental gene therapy, it's going to reconstitute it very well. And it's not going to prevent you from getting sick and it's not going to prevent you from transmitting the disease, but you are less likely to get severely ill or die if you have the booster, according to Anthony Fauci. According to the actual statistics and according to the actual data and according to common sense, if a virus is already much milder than the virus that had the potential to kill one in 1,000 people, all of them, virtually all of them, being over 70 years old with multiple significant comorbidities, if this disease is much milder than that, and we're talking about the general population here, where the numbers are actually much better already than one in a thousand, there is already a minute risk of being hospitalized or dying from the new very scary variant. So he is saying that the booster of the vaccine, not a vaccine, that doesn't do anything, it doesn't prevent infection, transmission, serious illness, or death, will prevent serious illness or death due to a virus that is extraordinarily unlikely to cause serious illness or death. And I don't imagine that Chris Hayes is some sort of genius. I mean, he's obviously not. But even a base level intelligence can figure out what I just said. And a normal person in the room with Anthony Fauci listening to this sort of thing, a normal person might be like, well, hey, doesn't this variant already not really cause serious illness or death? But he can't say that. So he doesn't. Yeah, and, and we should state, I mean, the, the data that you presented earlier today shows some of that, that, that third shot. So I think the first takeaway I've had, and we've been saying this on this program, and you were out front on this, and there were some dissenters who I think were very clearly wrong, and in fact, whose dissent I think actually, like, was tangibly destructive, uh, although I think entered into in good faith, uh, on boosters, is, is that people should get boosted. Like, the number one thing right now, if you're watching this and saying, like, what should I do? If you're not boosted, is get boosted. Is that your advice? Absolutely, Chris. There is no doubt about that. The data are overwhelmingly strong in that direction. No doubt about it. It's amazing, isn't it, how Anthony Fauci always talks about the data and never shows the data. He never comes on and breaks down the data and says what it means. He never says how the data indicates that this is the right move in a public health sense. We're going to save more human lives this way. Never. He is a vaccine salesman. 
And Chris Hayes is basically his hype man. Chris Hayes is like one of the people outside a toy store spinning one of those cardboard signs around, doing all sorts of tricks with them. Maybe he's got a funny costume on that tells you to get inside for the big sale. Or maybe that is even giving Chris Hayes too much credit. Maybe Chris Hayes is one of those uh, those things that you see outside of like used car dealerships, those floppy balloon men that look like Gumby. That's what that's what Chris Hayes is there to do. Chris Hayes is there to draw your attention to the vaccine salesman. And neither of them has said anything. They're having a conversation about nothing. They're just repeating slogans back and forth to one another. The repetition of the slogans is what makes them seem legitimate. They must be true because these people keep saying them. They wouldn't keep saying them if they had all been proven false. Well, turns out that's not true because what's their alternative to just come out and admit that the whole thing has been a sham and a fraud? Is Anthony Fauci just going to stop trying to sell vaccines? Is he going to come out and say, you know what? We've gotten a really significant portion of the world vaccinated. And this variant is so mild and the vaccine so ineffective against it that there's nothing that our vaccine can really do to protect people from getting this variant. And you know, with what we know about natural immunity, getting this variant actually might provide people with the sort of immunity where even if they haven't been vaccinated, they'll still have a strong degree of protection from any future coronavirus variant. I mean, that is what the science says. And I was even biasing what I was saying toward the vaccine having some sort of effect which we basically all know it doesn't have. And consider this. Has anyone, anyone seen an interview with Anthony Fauci in the last two years where he has actually had opposition to the things he's saying? There have been a few occasions where he has been opposed, mostly in the Senate with people like Rand Paul, not that I think Rand Paul is doing a good job of opposing him. He's been playing that role now for six or eight months or maybe even longer, and he's accomplished absolutely nothing by playing that role. But Anthony Fauci has gone up against zero resistance this entire time. No one has actually made him justify any of his statements. He always goes to the same news outlets and the same people at the same news outlets. I wonder if he'll ever be on Fox again now that Chris Wallace is gone. But it's crazy, isn't it, that no one has actually ever made him show the data and tell you what it means. He's never stood up to any sort of adversarial questioning. He never has to justify anything he says. Think about how insane it is that he has been on television in multiple locations every single day since this began, and we still have not heard anyone make him substantiate any of these ridiculous claims. And so what is anyone's motivation for believing him? You have to actually trust him and his personality and his character. And the only reason why anyone, anyone would actually do that 
is because as a society, we have been forced to agree to lie about all the things he's saying. You just have to assume that he's acting in goodwill and good faith. And anyone assuming that is utterly insane. And if you don't believe me, once again, I'm going to say, go get Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, The Real Anthony Fauci, or the audiobook, and get into that. Get a few hours into that, and you will never, ever listen to another thing that Anthony Fauci says. You will never take him seriously again. If you are still taking him seriously, I feel for you. But let's go ahead and dispel all that for you. Get into that book. It'll be over. And by the way, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is going to be on War Room on Saturday. And that, I think, is going to be massive. I don't recall him ever being on there. And man, oh, man, that is a big audience that is definitely ready to hear what he has to say. I wonder why he hasn't been on Rogan yet. Now, here's a uh, conspiracy theory for you. This is from Breitbart today. Three jab world. Boosterless French over 65s see COVID passes disabled. Oh, that's a conspiracy theory. France launched the new tougher rules on Wednesday, which sees vaccinated French people over 65 who have not received a booster vaccine for the Chinese coronavirus beginning to see their COVID passes disabled, despite once being considered fully jabbed. The new measure will affect those who received their last vaccination over seven months ago with those who have not been subsequently jabbed, losing access to cafes, restaurants and interregional travel unless they have a negative COVID-19 test taken within the last 24 hours. You got that? So if you're over 65 in France and you were fully vaccinated more than seven months ago, you can't go to restaurants and cafes and travel around the country until you get the booster or you have to keep showing negative COVID tests within 24 hours. To go to a cafe. And every time I hear these stories, I always and only think about all of those people who were very early adopters of the vaccination. They went out and bragged about how they had had both shots. I'm fully vaccinated. Everyone should be vaccinated. Here we are seven months later. Well, you didn't get another booster shot. So now you have to join the ranks of the low and the dirty, and you can't participate in society anymore unless you agree to comply once again. And if you comply once again, then you can have all those special abilities again until the next time. And then you're going to have to comply again. But at least for now, all you have to do is get one more injection and then you get to go right back to going to cafes and restaurants without sharing your medical information with the restaurant. I mean, w wait a second. You, uh, yeah, I mean, well, you'd share your pass that has your medical information on it, but you wouldn't have to go get a test within 24 hours to go to that cafe. So... I guess that's the that's the advantage. So you can either comply forever or you can comply forever in a different way. 
But what you can't do and what we definitely don't want you to do is is stand up to this obvious medical tyranny and also understand, by the way, that this is the sort of thing, the exact sort of thing that conspiracy theorists, you know, like me, were saying months and months and months ago. This was obviously going to happen. You were going to be fully vaccinated for a very brief period of time, and then you'd be unvaccinated like the rest of us, unless you agree to keep your subscription up to date. According to a report by Le Monde, 400,000 people are on the threshold of losing their passes due to the new measure. Health Minister Olivier Varon had announced late last month that from mid-December, the health pass for people over 65 will no longer be active if the booster has not been given within seven months of infection or after the last injection. While those under the age of 65 are not yet affected by the rule, the French government has announced that it is set to be expanded to all those 18 and older in January, making it so that all adults without a booster after seven months will lose their passes. The booster clampdown comes as other European countries ramp up restrictions in the face of the Omicron variant of COVID-19. Like France, the EU has also announced plans to strip individuals without booster shots of their COVID passes. The new amendment to the EU system announced in November will see coronavirus passes recognized within the union expire after nine months from when the last vaccine dose was administered to the holder. But they're probably only doing that this time, right? For this booster. There's not going to be another booster that they're going to do this again for. And they're definitely not going to take that time limit and shrink it from nine months or seven months down to three or four months and then down to whatever they want, honestly. And all good. The vaccines are very safe and they're very effective. So it doesn't matter how many you get. If you have to do it four times a year, no big deal, right? You got to keep getting injected with whatever is in there so that you can keep going to cafes and restaurants. This is the new normal, don't you understand? European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen has also requested that an EU-wide vaccination mandate be considered in a move described by one politician within the bloc as the Chinification of Europe. Nicely done, whoever that politician is. How we can encourage and potentially think about mandatory vaccination within the European Union. This needs discussion, the commission president said. This needs a common approach, but it is a discussion that I think has to be met. Meanwhile, a labor politician in the UK has said that those who have up until now been seen as vaccinated should no longer be considered, though. To think about it as a booster is almost behind the curve. Shadow Treasury Secretary Pat McFadden told Sky News to be fully vaccinated against this new variant, you're going to need three jabs. And there is no way anyone could actually believe this, by the way, because fully vaccinated has lost all meaning except for whether or not you're up to date on your lifetime subscription. Have you gotten the vaccines when they have told you to? Have you complied enough? If so, they will call you fully vaccinated for a period of time. It has absolutely nothing to do with the variant. They cannot explain one sensible way by which those booster shots have anything to do with this variant. It is nonsense. 
At best, they are claiming that that booster shot increases antibodies to a point where they think it would be helpful against the variant. Do they have any proof of that? Of course not. Can it keep you from getting the variant, from spreading the variant, from getting seriously ill or dying? No. So what does it do? What does it mean to be fully vaccinated against a variant? And the answer, of course, is it doesn't mean anything. Other European politicians are also starting to suggest that even three jabs are likely not enough, with Irish Deputy Prime Minister Leo Varadkar, I guess, having said that the public will likely need at least four doses to combat COVID. I think it's advisable that people get the third dose, and then they may well then get a fourth dose later down the line, because the evidence from Israel is that, unfortunately, immunity wanes from the third dose as well. The Irish Independent reports the senior government politician as saying Varadkar went on to say that covid vaccination may become an annual requirement, saying that coronavirus would become a seasonal matter like we have with the flu. Well, okay, and that's the end of the article, by the way. If it's an annual requirement, why are they doing it at a rate that suggests it's already biannual? And the truth is, people have already had two shots initially. The booster would be the third, and that's within the year. And they'll almost definitely demand another booster also within the year. So you got two initially. Seven months later, you have to get another one. And let's say they do six months for the next one, right? Even though they tell you, they tell you that the immunity wanes substantially, even within three months. Not that there's any at all. Maybe there's some tiny possibility, right? So let's say six months. So that means that at that point, 13 months from when you started, you have gotten four shots of the experimental gene therapy that doesn't do anything while knowing it doesn't do anything and your prize for going along with this nonsense and complying is that you can freely go back to cafes and restaurants. And by freely, I mean by showing the COVID pass that tracks you and where you're going. The people who still believe this crap, probably the healthiest thing that they can do for themselves is just come to terms with the fact that none of this was ever a conspiracy theory. That will get them much farther in life, okay? This stuff has been planned out for a long time. This is not the science developing. It's not the science evolving. The experts are not being led by the data. This is the regime doing exactly what the regime planned to do. And they are so happy and so thankful that there are so many people so deep still in the party of false decorum, still so invested in the global communist system through which they think they're advancing. Because those are the only people that still make it possible for them to keep doing this. And their ability to keep repeating the slogans and going along with whatever is told to them is what allows the vaccine salesmen to keep doing what they're doing. The people are agreeing to still go along with the lie. And a couple of days ago in Daily Mail, there's this headline. Omicron and Delta may strike people at the same time and combine to create an even worse COVID variant in the coming weeks. 
Moderna boss warns. A new supervariant could be created if Omicron and Delta infect someone at the same time. One of Moderna's bosses has warned. COVID infections normally only involve one mutant strain, but in extremely rare cases, two can strike at the same time. If these also infect the same cell, they may be able to swap DNA and combine to make a new version of the virus. Dr. Paul Burton, the vaccine maker's chief medical officer, warned the high numbers of Delta and Omicron cases currently circulating in Britain made this more likely. He told MPs on the Science and Technology Committee that it was certainly possible they could swap genes and trigger an even more dangerous variant. Researchers have warned that these events, scientifically called recombination events, are possible, but they require very specific conditions and the coincidence of mostly uncontrollable events. So we should be ultra scared. Only three COVID strains created by viruses swapping genes have ever been recorded, with the virus instead mostly relying on random mutations to make more variants. And how they track that and record that and understand that that's what happens. Well, maybe I'm just dumb. A new variant was not triggered over the two months when the Delta strain was outcompeting Alpha through this method. Omicron is already dominant in London just two weeks after being spotted in the country, and experts estimate it will be the main strain by the new year. Dr. Burton told the Commons that having the two variants circulating together raised the risk of them swapping genes and making a new variant. He said there's certainly data. There have been some papers published, again, from South Africa earlier from the pandemic when people, and certainly immunocompromised people, can harbor both viruses. That would be possible here, particularly given the number of infections that we were seeing. And so the article goes on, but let's think about what they are actually doing here in terms of the narrative shift, right? Omicron, by all measures, is milder than any version of COVID we've seen so far, right? Like accepting that their story about variants is true and blah, 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 right? So Omicron is much milder, but that certainly wasn't how they reacted to it. All the public health policy decisions that they have been making in the last, I guess it's only been about three weeks. I think that they released the Omicron story the day after Thanksgiving. So it's yeah, three weeks that we've had Omicron around. All indications are that it's milder, but they've put travel restrictions in place. They have pushed boosters. They have gone through severe restrictions in what people are allowed to do in different parts of Europe. In Austria, they're talking about just banning unvaccinated people from society altogether, you know, to protect the people that got the vaccination protection. But there's nothing in reality that has supported any of those decisions. The decisions now all look pretty ridiculous and certainly unnecessary for the mildest version yet. So what can they do to turn the knob up on the fear? Well, it's something like this. They're going to say that someone might get infected with both variants at once. And then in that infection in their body, the variants are going to combine into a very, very scary variant. And at that point, the only solution is to just run for the hills. And these are the sorts of things that normal people like us would just call moronic if they weren't being said by people who we are told are experts, right? So 
The person selling us this story is the chief medical officer at Moderna, a vaccine salesman. And the other people perpetuating this narrative are the clowns in the media and the public health experts that have been wrong about every single thing they have said so far. And I've certainly said this plenty of times before, but really think about this. What has Anthony Fauci been right about since the very beginning? He has not been right about a single thing, not anything about how the disease would work and not anything about how to mitigate the spread of the disease. Everything he has done has had a zero effect or a negative effect. He hasn't had a single suggestion that was put into practice and actually accomplished something. Not one time. I challenge anyone to find me one example of Anthony Fauci being right about anything. And I want to share this piece with you because it seems to me that the author, Vinay Prashad, who is writing for Brownstone, and I think Brownstone is a great resource and I credit everything they're doing. And I have some sympathy for what Prashad writes here, but I want to share it because this is the sort of piece where you can tell that the person knows what's going on, but isn't prepared to totally leave the party of false decorum. And they're still clinging to the idea that this hasn't been the massive error that it is, even while admitting that this has been a massive error. At this point, I think it is clear many pandemic experts hurt children. Yes. Okay. Great start. A better start would be writing this article in June of 2020. School closure was the greatest self-inflicted wound of the pandemic. Sensible European nations did not close primary school at all or only for six weeks, but places in the USA remained closed for more than a year. This was a net negative for the health and well-being of children and will damage this nation for years to come. I am not sure we will recover. Well, Thank goodness he's saying this on December 15th of 2021 when this article was published, but I was saying this 18 months ago. The decision was made only in some places in the USA and not others and was not explained by virus specific properties. It had no correlation with cases per 100,000 or hospitalizations per capita, but solely the political valence of a region and strength of the teachers union. When the history books are written, school closure will be viewed, as I have said before, as a massively catastrophic and harmful blunder that was fueled by misinformation from the legacy media and many pundits who lacked experience adjudicating trade-offs. And again, as I said, he is being entirely too kind to the people who did this. Okay. Acting like this was all just a big mistake made in good faith seems Utterly insane to me at this point. But the experts did not stop with closure. To this day, children suffer some of the harshest restrictions. In many parts of the USA, including school districts in California, school kids must wear cloth masks inside and outside, during recess, and in inclement weather. In some locations, they must eat lunch outside, in a hurry, or in the cold. Cloth masks failed to work in the Bangladesh cluster randomized controlled trials in adults. Their effect size among kids is certainly less than zero benefit seen in adults. 
outdoor spread of SARS-CoV-2 is very low in adults and vanishingly rare in children. For these reasons, making kids wear cloth masks outdoors is a cruel policy that may only sate adult anxieties. It is not evidence-based and, in fact, counter to evidence and common sense. The experts in the USA push this issue further. Against the advice of the World Health Organization and UNICEF, our expert bodies, AAP and CDC, advocated for cloth masking, an ineffective mask per Bangladesh RCT, in kids as young as two. This decision defied all pre-pandemic guidance, all available evidence, and basic common sense. To date, this recommendation continues, and this policy has led to mandatory masking of toddlers in many daycare settings for hours on end. And all of this is stuff that I have said from the beginning about masks. There has never in history been any proof that these masks can prevent viral spread. And there was never any reason to believe that they did. Anthony Fauci told us that they might catch a droplet. So we just envision at all times people just spewing droplets of infection around the entire world and that the mask can somehow stop those droplets even though we can see example after example of them not stopping people's breath from going through them in cold weather, right? Everybody's seen these videos. Everybody knows what this is. You've probably seen it in real life with your own eyes. And there's no real world proof that masks did anything anyway. If masks could have worked, if masks did work, then they would have worked. It's been long enough, hasn't it? The regulatory standards for vaccine authorization were made easy for kids 5 to 11. A randomized trial was run, but underpowered to show a reduction in severe events. It was also incapable of showing rates of adverse events due to low sample size. Despite the granting of EUA, however, there was no off-ramp to prolonged mask mandates for kids, indoors or outdoors, and these restrictions continued. And this is a good time to remember, as he just mentioned, the masks are being thrust upon society under an emergency use authorization, which says that these are necessary for these emergency conditions and that there is not another option. And it's amazing, isn't it, that we have emergency use authorizations, meaning that this is a necessary option because no other exists. And we're being told that's true about multiple things that do not work at all and do actually harm people. That is the current state of emergency use authorizations to combat COVID. After we approved vaccines for adolescents 12 to 15 under the auspices of the EUA, school districts like Los Angeles, which were closed for a year, decided to exclude any child who did not comply in a short period of time. This coercion risked excluding poor minority children from public education or required them to receive two doses in short time intervals, which increased their risk of myocarditis. The policy was needlessly cruel and regressive. And it's confusing why he feels the need to mention the poor and minority children. Maybe he's trying to convince communists that they've been wrong the whole time. But if they actually cared about being convinced of that, they would have thought about this at any point in the last 20 months. Some have claimed that our policies to children reflect following the science. They do not. 
There is no science to support primary school closure. No science supported prolonged closure for any age. No science supported outdoor cloth mask mandates for young kids and no science supported deviating from the WHO guidance. These policies, meanwhile, have devastating consequences for the well-being of children. Meanwhile, adult hypocrisy was rampant as adults routinely met in bars, nightclubs, music venues and private parties without masking. Many of the same adults who pushed strongly for draconian restrictions on kids hypocritically violated those restrictions themselves. And again, nothing could be more obvious, but also those restrictions weren't necessary for anyone. It doesn't matter if they were at bars, nightclubs, music venues, or whatever. Masks don't work. If someone reads this a hundred years from now, I want to say that I am sorry. I'm sorry that no organization rose to defend the interests of children. I'm sorry that I personally did not do more to criticize these draconian, irrational mandates, though I did as much as I felt I could, and as soon as and as consistently as I felt I could. Many of us recognized these errors as they happened, but could not stop them. And I am sorry we failed you. And there it is, right? We knew the entire time that all of this was wrong, but we were scared to stand up and say something. And so he is apologizing to uh, imaginary people of the future and trying to say, yes, we did wrong, but hey, I'm saying something now, so I guess I'm one of the good guys? No. The societal factors that ostensibly silenced him for this entire time up until now are the exact same societal factors that have tried to silence people like me and everyone else who is talking about this stuff in honest ways. What these people should be apologizing for is their desperation in clinging to their status in the party of false decorum. They didn't want to face the consequences and the children's health, the children's well-being, the future of the nation. Well, those were secondary priorities because people didn't want to be punished. People didn't want to have their colleagues say bad things about them on the Internet. And like, again, I appreciate and respect the fact that he's trying to do some bare minimum to make up for that. But honestly, what are we being told here? Yes, I saw that my expert community was doing something heinously wrong to children. But we did as much as we felt we could at the time. No, you didn't. And then he finishes with a quote from Charles McKay. Men, it has been well said, think in herds. It will be seen that they go mad in herds while they only recover their senses slowly and one by one. And that may well be true. But admitting that you succumbed to the herd for this long isn't bold or brave. It's only too late. And it's too late from obvious weakness. If you're on a path to making up for it, Absolutely wonderful. And as I always say, I'm glad that you are back on our side. I guess the side of the people of rationality of having consistent priorities about what actually matters in the world. But you're going to have to do a whole lot more. Now, changing subjects without a segue, the pathetic 
and illegitimate administration seems to have come to the understanding that passing the Klaus Schwab Build Back Better agenda is going to be a failure. And this is from today in USA Today. Biden puts voting rights at top of agenda, shifting focus as hopes dim for Build Back Better. This is Maureen Gropp and Bart Jansen in USA Today. President Joe Biden has put a new emphasis on voting rights legislation, declaring that there's nothing domestically more important. (laughs) Biden made that comment to reporters Wednesday as the Senate signaled it would not be able to finish work on the president's signature domestic policy bill until next year. And it's amazing to me always when they call this Joe Biden's signature legislation. It is not his signature legislation. It's not even his legislation. There are a bunch of countries around the world that have all signed on to these same priorities, this same agenda. And it is Klaus Schwab's agenda. Build Back Better was not created by Joe Biden. Go onto YouTube and look up like a Build Back Better compilation. You can see world leaders all over the place saying that we need to build back better and trying to pass the same agenda. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said Wednesday that Democrats would continue to work on Biden's spending priorities in the Build Back Better plan, but that conversations would also continue on voting rights. There is a universal view in our caucus that we need to pass legislation to protect our democracy, Schumer said, which is almost like saying nothing. Our democracy. By the way, good time to remember that when you see them say our democracy, think of it as George Soros's election theft apparatus. This is the way they keep themselves in power forever. Okay. They thought that pushing Joe Biden into the fake presidency would get the United States on board with the global communist agenda through build back better. That's not going to work because everybody can see that Joe Biden is illegitimate and weak and pathetic and people are not going along with it. Certainly the people of this nation are not going along with it. And as I often remind you, they need the people's consent. They have to do all of this with the people's consent and they can manufacture that consent. And to some degree, they can fake that consent. They can convince people that a lot more people support this than actually do. And that is the method they normally try, but they still need the people to largely believe that what they are doing is actually something the people want when the people are awake. They all see that none of them want this. NAACP president Derek Johnson said his group agrees with Biden's statement and looks forward to meeting with the White House in the coming days. Johnson discussed the issue with several senators Thursday, including Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema, who recently reiterated her opposition to changing Senate rules to facilitate passage. And what they mean is doing away with the filibuster. And who in the world knows why the NAACP is a big part of this? That is just a special interest race-based group. At least 19 states this year enacted laws making it harder for Americans to vote, according to an analysis by the nonpartisan Brennan Center for Justice at New York University. If the Brennan Center for Justice is nonpartisan, then there's no such thing as partisan. The White House, and particularly Vice President Kamala Harris, has been under increasing pressure to do more to pass federal protections through Congress. In an interview with Sirius XM this week, Harris called protecting the right to vote, quote, 
one of the most critical battles before us right now, end quote. And let's just remember that there is absolutely no threat coming from the opposition to the fake administration in terms of the right to vote. No one that opposes the fake administration in any way is threatening the right to vote for anyone. But Cinema and Democratic Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia have opposed changing Senate rules to get around a GOP filibuster of the voting rights legislation that has passed the House. That legislation would replace part of the 1965 Voting Rights Act that the U.S. Supreme Court struck down in 2013 and would aim to restore Justice Department review of changes in election law in states with a history of discrimination. You got that? So the illegitimate Justice Department right now being led by the idiot Merrick Garland would get to go into states that pass election laws he doesn't like, and then he would get to correct them in the states that have a history of discrimination. And of course, if you're going by Democrat Communist Party standards, they claim discrimination is everywhere at all times. So that basically covers everywhere. At all times, a different voting rights bill written with the involvement of cinema and mansion also doesn't have enough Republican support to thwart a filibuster. Senator John Tester said Wednesday as he left Schumer's office that talks continued about possible rule changes. One possibility is adopting a one time change in the filibuster to allow a simple majority to pass the legislation. Senators did that this month to approve an increase in the country's debt limit over GOP objections. So. They're going to do a one-time change to the filibuster rule to get the voting rights thing passed with a simple majority, which they also can't get right now for this or for the Build Back Better agenda. But this one-time change they're making was actually already just done once. And one would think that adults wrote this article for USA Today, but if they are adults, How come they don't realize that if they are citing an example from last week and then talking about a future example of something that would happen one time, they've kind of already blown out the logic on that one. I think we're making progress, Tester said. The goal is to get it done as quick as we can. (laughs) Yeah, of course it is. Because if you don't change the voting system to make cheating even easier, all of you are finished. Even with... The amount of election fraud now, they will still lose the Congress and the Senate. Or at least that is what the public expects and knows could and should happen. They would have to create some really unlikely narrative twists and turns to justify whatever amount of cheating they would be pushing into the 2022 midterms. Democrats also still face obstacles to passing the Build Back Better package that includes expanding the social safety net and addressing climate change. They are unlikely to get it through the Senate before the end of the year. The calendar is not our friend, Senate Majority Whip Dick Durbin said Thursday. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, the biggest advocate in the Senate for the package, said Wednesday he wants Build Back Better passed as quickly as possible. But if we can't deal with it right now, Sanders said, it's far more important that we deal with the voting rights issue. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell on Thursday accused the radical left of claiming the sky is falling if states scrap voting procedures adopted during the pandemic. 
It isn't about voting rights, McConnell said. It's a naked power grab. And if Mitch McConnell were actually legitimate opposition to the Democrat Communist Party, he could have already ended this whole charade. But of course, that's not who Mitch McConnell is. Mitch McConnell is a completely bought and sold, completely compromised tool of global communism who is only interested in his own self-advancement and legacy. Mitch McConnell is every bit the problem Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi are. In fact, he may be worse. But despite all that, and despite the utter ridiculousness and bias of this article, it is still an extremely good thing that Build Back Better has been shot down for the foreseeable future. Now, McConnell, of course, gave them a lifeline by allowing the debt ceiling limit to be raised which will allow the illegitimate government to keep funding itself and keep the money laundering and payoffs to their interests through the midterms. But at least the specific programs will not be passed into law in any way. This is an obvious failure for the administration and for all of the illegitimate members of the Congress and Senate. The voting rights thing, though, is bananas. Okay. First of all, it's not about voting rights. They are trying to make it so that ballot harvesting is everywhere. They want to nationalize the elections. It is strictly prohibited in the constitution. Obviously the states set election law, but they want to make ballot harvesting everywhere. Universal mail-in balloting sent out to everyone unsolicited. They basically want to put every element of their cheating system into law. And the interesting thing about this is knowing that it's unconstitutional to do any of this and that the law very likely could or would be overridden by the Supreme Court. It seems like what they're going for is trying to get this stuff passed, knowing that even if it were to get overturned, it wouldn't happen before the midterms. So they would put all these rules in place and say, hey, Supreme Court, stop us if you like, but we're going to delay it and delay it and delay it and delay it and delay it so that these laws will be in place for the 2022 midterms. We will steal all of those elections. And then by that point, we'll get all the power we need. So if there is any worry at all, we'll just simply expand the court and make sure that the illegal law we passed is deemed legal by the brand new Supreme Court. And then we get to keep power forever. And then we can pass Build Back Better. We can pass whatever we want at that point because no one can ever threaten our power. And maybe they'll try to get enough obvious rhinos into office so that the public central narrative will be that the Republicans had this sweeping victory, but they'll still keep enough corrupt rhinos in place that we might as well still have 400 Democrats in the House. That's what they're going for. That is what they have always been going for. And ultimately, what we need to do and what people like Vinay Prashad really need to do is understand that if the very serious people, if all of these different groups of powerful people are all saying the same thing, and it is all always wrong. We don't actually have to give credence to their point of view just because everyone agrees that they're all very serious people. All right. What we all need to do 
is say, no, that is obviously bullshit. This narrative has been wrong a thousand times in a row. And anything or anyone that is wrong that consistently in the same direction all the time, well, that can't be an accident. That's not a coincidence. That's not a mistake. The proper reaction is to not trust them ever about anything anymore and not to take them seriously because they don't deserve being taken seriously. And then at that point, you simply stop complying and you encourage other people to stop complying. And we don't need to have all of the right answers about everything to be able to say that. Okay. You don't have to have all of the right answers about every single thing to know that all of these other answers are obviously wrong and have proven themselves wrong over and over and over again. At that point, you disregard all that stuff. And at this point, we can actually use all that stuff as a guide for what is right. Just playing the opposite of whatever they say is a better way to guide yourself through this world because their story doesn't make any sense and it never did. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator. You can join the discussion at t.me slash I'm reasonable. I'm also on Gab and Getter at I'm your moderator. The Substack is I'm your moderator and the merch site is cancelcouture.com. You can also go direct to that at shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. I'll see you next time. Out on the range. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!